we don't think about the um, uh, you know judgment in the way of what Jesus said about it, what he talked about it, what he said about it. And that's what really gets my attention because when you go through the Gospels, and uh, one thing I encourage people to do, uh, about every two years I try to get me a red-letter edition of the Bible and just read the words of Jesus because when you do that, it kind of brings you back to reality of what he actually talked about. Uh, what he actually said, and when the area of judgment is very important because when he starts talking about the end times, which he talked about frequently, uh, you know, he always couched it in terms of in an hour you think not. That's right. And also very strong words about the, the reality of that judgment that, that, that was coming as well. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very, very interesting to get into the words of Jesus and what he said about the end times. Well, also, if you look at the different parables, kind of like you were just mentioning, there's a lot of different parables that refer right back to judgment. Yeah, I was going to let me say this. In, in Matthew's gospel, just Matthew's gospel, yep. that the scholars that have identified in it that there is 148 stories, or they call them pericopes, you know, story times, uh, separate individual event of teaching. And uh, 148 of them in Matthew's gospel, 60 of them, end with some sort of warning about the judgment to come. It seems like Jesus made an emphasis on, on that. If you look at that, almost half of the stories he told had some connection within it or at the conclusion of it to be aware of the uh, journey of the uh, of the judgment that is coming uh, in the future. That that's, you know, that's that's pretty powerful. I know and you could look also in Matthew's gospel and you get to the end and there's a teaching there where Jesus is yep. asked specifically by his disciples in Matthew 24, what will be the signs of your return? And when he asks that question, he uh, he answers it and he gives us a whole chapter of a lot of uh, details about what the world will be like, centered around the idea of as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. In other words, as it was at the beginning, so shall it be at the end. And uh, but then after that, he gives us uh, three parables and and on top of that, an extended teaching about judgment to come. Now that that's amazing to me that not only did he spend all of his time talking about it. Uh, as he, uh, you know, was throughout his ministry, but at the end of his ministry, in his last public teaching, right before he's going to go to his passion, he gives an extended teaching, not only on the signs, but then a whole chapter and a half on parables and on teaching about being ready for that. Now, oh, yeah. I, I want, let me make one, I think, distinction that really can highlight our time together here. Uh, I think that we always have to say the difference between believers and unbelievers. If, if you're an unbeliever, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, the most important thing you can, the most important question you need to answer is, what am I going to do with Jesus? That's obvious. But as a believer, I think the most important question you have to ask is, what am I going to do with what I have while I have it in this life? Because all of these parables, all this teaching on Jesus is talking about what we do here will determine reward in eternity yes. with him. So I think, you know, you put it in that context, you realize just how important this subject is, and we never talk about it today. We talk, we spend so many times. When's the last time uh, you've heard a message on the judgment of God, not the fireballs from heaven and wrath and all that? That's another side of it. I'm talking about in to you as a believer teaching you how to get your life ready for that very certain and sure judgment that is, is is before us. One of the things that I find interesting is so many times we only consider 
the base biblical teachings. Mm-hmm. We talk about the giftings God gave us. Yes. We talk about the spreading of the gospel. Yes. But we forget that the life alone that God gave us is a gift. It is. We forget that sometimes the job that we currently have could be looked at as a gift that he's given us. Yes. And we could also look at the fact that there's many other aspects, like our family. Yes. You know, our health. Mm-hmm. All of these things are things that he's given us that we're supposed to be stewards over. You know, and it's all wrapped together in one accord. You know, and we sometimes so nominalize the rest of our life and we compartmentalize it. But God wants us to be a whole self. Yes, he, he does. He doesn't yes. want it just to be gospel here, yes. my life here, my job here, my family over there. He wants us to look at it as this is my stewardship. These yes. are all different, so to speak. These are my sheep. Yes. These are all of the sheep in my life that I've got to take care of. And I need to be a good steward of all the things that God has allowed me to take care of. You know, if you just look at the example in Matthew, it, it what you just said is exactly what Jesus talked about. In every one of these parables, there is the element of uh, investing your time and resources that God has given you now because the master will come back one right. day and demand. The parable of the talents, which is in Matthew 25, I think is probably one of the most important parables that Jesus taught that that teaches that in such detail. But even the very first parable, which is in Matthew 24 and verse 45 and following, he says there, he gives he gives us two possibilities. And, and one wise servant uh, goes out and he has entrusted him, he said, uh, to rule over his house. And that is very clear a picture of what God has given all of his people, and that is resources, talents, time, treasure, influence over all those areas you were talking about. And what are we going to do with them? There's going to be an accounting of that, and it's so important because it determines, you know, reward or loss in in eternity. This is what Jesus teaches, and we spend so little time actually talking about it and getting our lives in that position to do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I really believe that God wants us to take care of all. He wants to take care of our family. Mm-hmm. Be a good steward of the job that we have. You know, if we're dedicated to church, be a good steward of those responsibilities that we've committed to. Mm-hmm. Not to be the individual that says, yes, pastor, I'll I'll take up the offering every week mm-hmm. and you never show up. Mm-hmm. You know, because we've all been in churches where there's been lots of volunteers mm-hmm. and very few show up. Well, yes. if we've committed and we haven't done it, Jesus gives us a, an exact parable of that. You know, there's a so, two sons... Yes. One says, yes, dad, I'll go do that. And he doesn't do it. The next son says, no, dad, I'm not going to do it. But he goes, I'm going to go take care of that for my father. Yes. Who is the one that's going to please his father? The one that actually went and did the work. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter if in the beginning he had the lip service. Yes. But in the end, the one who did the work, that did the action, that got involved and became a part of what was being, you know, actively done is the one that pleases the father. That, that uh, first parable in Matthew 24, I was just looking at it to remind myself. It says that when the master comes, come he on. will find that servant doing. Yes. And I always like to make the point, he, he didn't come to find that servant praying, nothing wrong with praying. He didn't find, come to find that servant in a white robe sitting on a hill somewhere waiting on him to come back. He didn't find that servant doing some religious exercise with stained glass windows. Or he found him doing something. And that doing is the exercising 
of authority that God has given him over his family, over his influences, all these things that we've mentioned here today. And so it's just incredibly important that we believe as believers, as those of us who follow Jesus Christ, to simply ask ourselves that question, what am I doing with what God's given me while I have it? While I have it is this time period, and every believer has been entrusted with certain things. Every believer. It doesn't matter who right. you are. You have some influence. You have some role in your family. You have some role in your business, uh, among friends. Uh, it can be. Uh, it, it, and here's what's amazing about what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, you know, in that last judgment or the judgment upon believers' works, it says that he's going to test them by what sort they are, not what size they are. That's right. We think if it's not big, it's not important. The truth is, are we being faithful with whatever God has given us? It doesn't matter how big or small it is. That means nothing to an almighty God. It means something. Are we being faithful to recognize he's given us this and to utilize it and use it for his glory? And 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 be faithful over it the you know the best we can. That that's the issue. Not you know some people think a big church ministry or oh he's important because he's a pastor and all that. God's not looking at all of that. There's nothing in the scripture that shows that that's more important. Now teachers will receive a stricter judgment. We know that that's another teaching. But the point is it's not big. It's faithfulness. That's right. In what he's given us. A perfect example. You know, the scripture talks about. The, the, the owner of the land hired out multiple people during the day. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he started handing out the paychecks. Yes. The person that came in last, and then all the way to the person that came in first. Mm-hmm. And when the person that came in first, he was expecting the bonus. Mm-hmm. And the landowner said, hey, it's my money. Yes. Why should I give you anything extra? Was it not fair when I first agreed with this? Mm-hmm. And... The guy got upset, and he said, look, you have no reason to be upset. I agreed with this amount for you. It's my money. Can I not pay the one that came at the end the same amount that yes. came in the beginning? It doesn't matter if someone comes in and creates you know, a ministry at the very end to do the work that God's called them to do. Just before the rapture comes, he's going to get the same payment as the person that's been you know, laboring for 80 to 100 years. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's not about being fair. Yes. It's about what's being just. And mm. I think a lot of times, especially in the American culture, we're all about fairness. What is the first thing that kids say? I mean, I know mine have said yes. it, and I'm sure yours said it too. Yeah. Daddy, that's not fair. Yeah. You gave him more soda than me. <laughs> that's not fair. Well, the interesting thing is, is the word fair is not even found in the Bible. In the Hebrew language, that word does not exist. And yet we want to try to put God in a position to where he never said it was going to operate that way. Yes, yes, that's a that is so amazing how we come into the world thinking like that, and how we have to get our thinking right on that. Yeah, you know, we we talked a little bit about this, and just uh, turned uh, a thought about it in our day. You know, I get a little. Um, you know, there's so many uh, sermons and Bible studies, and everything directed towards the individual, and directed towards you know the the and even our praise music sometimes can be all about me instead of all about God. And it, you know, it's constantly, you know, how, what, what is, it's almost as if in this consumer environment we live in today, especially in America, 
that people treat bring that over in their Christian faith, you know, and and they'll they'll say it. Well, I like to go to church there because he 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 really makes it practical. He he does this, whatever, and you think, yeah, but the truth is the truth. You know, we we still need the truth, and we don't need just messages on how to be a better boss, right. how to be a better husband. How it's almost as if we treat Jesus. How can Jesus make me more successful? Uh, in life, it's a, and that's not the way it works. He's Lord. I mean, he he owns it all, and he puts us in, in in that way, you know, in charge of it. It's almost like we've taken Christianity and say, how do I box this in a consumer friendly box? Yes, and that's not what Jesus wants at mm. all. He wants us to say, this is the truth of God. This is what the kingdom says, and don't add or take away from what I've said. Yeah, I, I nothing gets me more riled as when people come to church and. And uh, they're professional Christians, I guess, or whatever. But they come in the door and they say, well, we're church shopping. And I'm like, you're doing what? <laughs> and, and, you know, I've never gotten over that. I've heard it so many times through the years. I, I've, as recently as a year ago, I heard it. And I'm like going, this isn't Walmart, you know. I mean, what you really need to do is pray and let God direct you where the sovereign Lord wants you. It's not about, well, I like this and I don't like this here, so I'm going to choose this like you go to the grocery store and do. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it, but we treat it that way. And, and how this relates to judgment is this. When we were talking about this earlier. How uh, there, is no, there is no grace without judgment. I mean, how, what 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 you, grace is nothing if you don't have a fearful reality of a of a jump judgment upon sin. That's what makes grace grace. And I think right. today that's why we don't uh, appreciate, live in, and thankful for the grace that God has given us because we live in such a me culture. We don't even think about the judge. When you recognize that, um, I, I was going to ask you, how did you put it earlier when we, we were talking before we started about about judgment and how it. Um, uh, has to be uh, uh, justice has to be real. He's he's a sovereign oh, yeah. God that has to be real. That's that was the question. Uh, it makes grace reality. Oh yeah, the, the main question you and I were talking about before is why judgment. Yes, you know, and I think you said it really eloquently. Is without judgment there can't be true grace. Mm-hmm. Without judgment there can't be a chance of repentance. There can't be a chance of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, think about it. If the judge. If there is no judge, there's no opportunity for you to have a pardon of your guilt. Yes. yes. And Jesus came to pay the price of our sin. So if there was not judgment, there would be no opportunity for Christ to pay that penalty. Yeah, that's a, exactly right. I, years ago, I got to spend time with a with a man I just so greatly admire, a man that wrote the book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, and he wrote a book called Abba's Child. And he, he writes about grace from his life and experiences that he had in such a powerful way. But people have accused him because he talks about grace so much that he doesn't believe in, in any law or any judgment. And he looked at me when I got to spend time with him, and he told me, he said, you know, people don't understand how much I love the cross of Jesus. And tears were in his eyes. Think about it for a moment. You know, we love the cross because we love the person and what he did for us, but we love it so much because we know what we were facing that he took that justice of God that we deserved on him. That's what Christianity is all about, that great exchange. So now grace is extended to me because justice was served in, in him dying for our sins. That makes me just explore, meditate, think, study, 
about the glory of what took place on that cross 2,000 years ago. And it means so much to my heart because of that. Oh, yeah. That's what. That's why I was like, judgment makes all this real. It if you sure don't have any judgment, uh, the cross was just, he was a guy that was just giving us some kind of an example of laying down your life for your friends. That's that, right. That's, that cheapens everything. No, it wasn't that. Yeah, he modeled true love, no doubt, but so much more than that. There was a divine exchange that took place where the payment for our sins that had to be dealt with, he took the judgment, he took the hell, he took the the, uh, wrath that we deserved, and now we can love him and accept him, and that's what grace is all about. But only through an understanding that one day we're going to stand before him does that really, you know, become what it really should be in our lives. So that's, that's a powerful way to... Uh, to look at, at at the judgment at the end, doing that, I just would encourage, you know, people to think, you know, when you come to Jesus, and just real quickly look at that that last that parable he told in the end of Matthew twenty four. It was the first of three he would tell, and you know, he put two possibilities of thinking among his disciples. One was a wise and faithful servant. The other one he called an evil servant. It wasn't two servants. It was two possibilities of thinking because the first servant thought correctly and therefore he managed what had been put in charge over. And when the Lord came and found him doing, he made him ruler over all. This idea of going to heaven, this whole caricature of heaven that we're going to sit on a cloud with a harp and a halo over our head that's you know that don't even sound fun you know that's i don't play the harp you know i don't that don't sound fun to me at all but uh well and it's not true it's not it's a biblical you know that's not biblical reality the biblical reality is as we work here with those things doing what we're talking about being um faithful and good steward of the things he's given us there is an increased reward of increased almost work in, in eternity, but it's not work, work like we think of right. work for the curse today. It's increased responsibility. I, I think that scientists, their best understanding of the universe right now is that the universe is expanding outwardly. And I think that you and I, those of us who follow Christ our Savior, the reward for all of eternity is ruling and reigning with him over this a vast, expanding universe. And the way we get to rule is all determined what we do with this short thing of life that we have. Are we faithful with what God gave us now? This is going to determine if you, he over and over and over taught that, that, that truth in this parable and all the other parables. But don't you think this life, Pastor, is all about living 101, kind of like a classroom. It's like 101, living and serving God, or getting to know God 101. Yes. And it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a, drudgery or an anxiety-filled thing that, oh, yep. i gotta got to work harder today, i got to do better with this. It's a, it's a love relationship with God, but it's an inspiration within me that, That's hey, right. God has given me a family. Hey, God has given me uh, a church. I'm, I'm a pastor. You know, he's given me this. He's given me that. What am I doing to you know, truly love them like Christ loved them and, 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 you know, do what he's called me to do so that I can hear that well done, not well read, not well prayed, well, you know, well done, the good and faithful servant. I mean, it's the the word we all want to hear uh, when we arrive face to face with him. So I just think this is a good thing to think about because again, when you read the scripture, uh, let me put it this way. I'm a preacher, so I can talk about preachers. You know, We preachers tend to spend most of our time preaching on things that were not an emphasis in Jesus' ministry. And that, that, that gets me because when every time, like I said, if you'll take a red-letter edition and just read the words of Jesus, you'll realize sometimes just how off-centered we get in our thinking 
and what he actually said. He said some really harsh things. And uh, this particular parable in the Matthew 24, the last part, he says of the evil servant because he, he, he thought in his heart that his master delayed his coming. It always starts in your thinking. And so you got to have a thinking right, and that's what we're talking about here, learning how to think to be a that's good right. steward. But when the evil servant didn't think that way, that possibility of thinking, oh, he's not coming, that's not going to happen, judgment's not real, all of those things, that leads us back to being very careless. And get this, Jesus said that one beats his servants and hangs out with drunkards. He's like, boy, that's a quick jump. Well, it isn't because what he's showing us there very quickly is that when you start thinking that there is no judgment, you will it will affect your behavior towards treating others That's wrongly. Right. Uh, you know, I want to treat others the right way because I love them and because Jesus lives within me and he loves them. But I also want to do it because I understand that all of us are going to be facing a judgment, and I want them to know the truth, be set free of these things. That motivates. If I didn't think that, that's where injustice comes from. That's where men treating their fellow men the wrong way, abusive ways, comes from. I, I, I believe this with all my heart. You want to solve injustice in the world, get Jesus in his right place. Because that's so, that's so simple. Amen. But it's true because if you understand who he is and believe who he is, and he is who he said he was, so therefore there is a real judgment coming. If men le- learn that, they won't think in their minds, he delays his coming, there is no judgment, all of those things. They'll think, oh, there is, so therefore I have to do that. I think every time I've been privileged to pray over a body of politics, uh, whether it's a state assembly uh, or a city council, any anyone like I always pray that God would give us leaders, men and women over us, who do not make decisions based on the shifting tides of opinions and fads, but that they would make every decision they make in light of the fact they're going to stand before God and give an account for their ways. Okay, That's on. a sobering reality, but it's one that Jesus speaks of often and it's one I think that needs to be spoken today. Oh, it definitely does. And I think you hit the nail on the head. So many times we nominalize it all. Yes. We make it very simple, and mm-hmm. we don't pay attention to the fact that he mm-hmm. really is paying attention to how well we steward what he gives us. Yes. And it's coming right back to what we talked mm-hmm. about in the beginning. Um, and Jesus even has told us that we have to be careful about not getting too complacent in what we do. Yes. And that's even a form of judgment. That He gives us the parable of the folks that he invites them to the wedding feast. And one, he just got married. Mm-hmm. Another just bought a yes. cow. Yes. Another one, yes. you know, he just bought a piece of property. Mm-hmm. And those are all good things. They're not mm-hmm. evil things. Right. But the master said that they were evil for not coming to him when he called them. And he told his servants to go and compel people to come from the highways and the byways, and compel them to come in. Yes. And the only person you see in that entire parable that got in trouble was the one that refused to put on the wedding gown. Yes. And that's because in the Jewish culture, Mm -hmm. the Jewish man of the house provides the wedding garment. Mm -hmm. So it was a rebellious act not Mm -hmm. to put on the garment. So the only one that did not was not allowed in was the one who was in rebellion. So, so you, you've mentioned several parables tonight, uh, and, and, and it just is what I've been saying. Every parable, almost every parable he taught, all the teaching of Jesus was concerned, was centered around this, this future That's right. accountability, judgment, or whatever that is coming. I would encourage those that listen to us to do two things. One, you know, read 
your Bible through in the in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and get a red letter edition so you can just read the red, just read the red through at least at least once a year, twice, once every two years or something. It just is amazing when you see that and. And, and do this as well, too. We, we preachers and teachers have been really good at trying to soften the words of Jesus. Oh, yeah. You know, when Jesus says something really strong, we say, well, like, like in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you know, you'd be better to cut off your hand if it offends you than if it'd keep you out of heaven. We say, well, he didn't really mean, well, you know, just come back to the reality of what he's saying. And the emphasis in this little parable I keep referring to in Matthew 24 ends with him saying that the evil servant, you know, when the master come, he cuts him in two. Uh, you know, he, he was right. showing us the, the, the absolute severity of the sev- seriousness of this life that, that we have. So I would encourage you to, you know, to do that. I would encourage you to read the, the three parables, especially at the end of chapter 24 of Matthew's yes. gospel. And then the other two that are in, uh, you know, they when Matthew wrote it, he didn't have chapter divisions. We put those in later for, for our help. So therefore, you're reading what Jesus said at the end of that sermon in Matthew 24. Starts in verse 30, 45 and then goes into chapter 25 for two more parables. And then his extended teaching on the sheep and goats. And just read those words and just look at the serious nature of what he says. And let us all be awakened to the seriousness of our life and that how it matters before God and to let it be a wake-up call for us to get busy. Oh, definitely, Pastor. And I think this is a great place to put a, a pin in it for the for the evening. Yes. I mean, we have so much we could dig into with you guys, and we really would love to, but we also want to respect your time. But we also <laughs> want to make sure, guys, that you know that you can always reach out to us. If you need prayer, you know, you can reach Pastor Barry at bclingon at trophylakes.org. You can also go to mooseministriesinc.com, and you can click on the prayer link, and you can submit your prayer request there as well. And we're also working on a new platform called the School of the Nazarites, which will be up and running most likely in the next two to three weeks. We'll be opening it for enrollment. So, guys, we look forward to talking to you next time. Y'all have a wonderful and blessed day. God bless.